Hi, I'm Abby Gibb, and welcome to the Full Body Fuck Yes Podcast, a Soulfire production. This is an investigation and honoring of who we get to become in the process of embodying our dreams. If you're a rule breaker, paradigm shifter, and movement maker of today, then this leadership podcast is for you. It's time to finally take up more room on the page of your life. Welcome to the Full Body Fuck Yes Podcast. I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, wow, I like do not recognize myself and I don't know how I got here. And being called out in that way by someone I respected and revered so much was exactly what I needed. From Emmy award-winning TV sports journalist to entrepreneur and sexual liberation podcast host, Kelly Tennant has lived and shed a few lifetimes before her mid-30s. I'm honored to sit down with my dear friend and client to chat about who we became after releasing the need for fame and how we both only began to touch and live from our power once the ratings and views went away. Oh, and uh, how could I forget? I never thought that I would have a girl sitting on my face and want to like be closer to her and like have a desire to like crawl up inside of her vagina. I'm like, wait, can we get closer? That is where the power lives. The power lived in the womb. And why don't we want to be and taste the power? We also investigate how our sexuality has evolved over time and why sexual liberation is the key to creative freedom. Before we begin, though, grab your phone real quick to join my weekly sacred storytelling society. These are journal prompts created by yours truly texted right to your phone for free every single week. It's time to unlock your personal story. All you got to do is just text the word story to this number 541-275-9250. The number is also in the show notes linked below and on my Instagram. Okay. Now let's get to Kelly. The real story behind even the title of my podcast is thanks to the one and only Kelly Tennant, because I had this whole idea and I was going to play it safe. I was like, you know, to make sure that the Michelle Obamas of the world will want to come on this show. And she goes, really? Why don't you just name it what you just said? And I was like, the full body fuck yes. And she goes, yeah. (laughs) fuck yeah we're gonna name it that and I have to tell you I'm still scared Mm. I'm I'm still nervous about saying that I mean but thank you for pushing me you're welcome you know what I notice I mean in our friend group and the mastermind in my clients is that there's like this part of us that's like holds on to trying and like I need to try to be like this in order to have that and let me stay in this doing mindset and it's so funny because I just like listening to people because I I know you know this because this is what you do for me, but it's like when you talk, that's your answer. But we, we like bypass our own words and we don't even hear the fucking shit that comes out of our own mouths. And that's why we need someone else to be like, wait, reverse. Let's go back to what you just said a minute ago. That was fucking profound. Right. And when you said that I, you kept talking and I like wrote it down. I was like, oh my God, that's it. I didn't give you anything. I was just reflecting it back to you. And it's, it's just so funny how we play these mind games with ourselves and we trick ourselves into not seeing what we really want and what's really us. We just like layer it with a bunch of stuff to hide. To hide, to hide. And I think the piece that I've come to now is to welcome and to hold close friendships, relationships, clients, and otherwise 
that are mirrors to us. And I feel that way about you. And I feel that way about the work that you do. You're consistently a mirror uh, to my own magic, to the depth that I want to go. And I know that it hasn't been easy. Let's just say that to get to this point. So let's ask first, what is a full body fuck yes for you today? Mm. What is making you go fuck yeah about life? Yeah, well, you know, because you were there uh, yesterday, I said that the thing that I want the most is to have a baby. And Mm. after we got off of our mastermind call, I sat down with Connor and I was like, I just need to share with you some of the things that came up. And he already knows I want to have a baby. We're already in the process. It wasn't like shocking to him, but I needed to have that conversation and just share how much I wanted it, how much I feel ready. And I feel something so shifted within me today where it was like I needed that full body fuck yes to really step into this new iteration of who I'm becoming and to really welcome it. I think I had some barriers up where I was like, "Eh, maybe not. I don't know if I'm good enough to do this. What if I fuck it up? And yesterday I was like, no, I'm not playing this game anymore. This feels, I mean, you saw it. I was like sobbing. This feels like a full body. Yes, I can no longer ignore this. And that's the piece. It doesn't matter if it's that I want to be a mom. I want to write a book. I want to create something. What I find really interesting, and I'm so proud of you for leading yourself to this point, and that's the point of this podcast, is who we get to become in the process of setting this dream. So as you're setting the dream of becoming a mother, what's so fascinating to me is that you were able to show yourself that, yeah, you're right. In this moment today, the Kelly Ten and I know is not ready to be a mom. But that's why you have time Mm -hmm. It's who you get to become in the process of setting that dream. And the iterations of who you've become, Kelly, are so beautiful. First off, you know, you saw the fancy intro of Kel, like she's got all the fancy accolades, all of the Emmy, all the things, just like, just like I did from the TV world. It, what is so fascinating to me is that how, when we both were able to release the need to be validated by ratings TV shows in general, the male gaze, uh, likes, views, is when we both started to see ourselves more deeply. It was like only when I wasn't seen by everyone else could I begin to see it in myself. Can you walk me through what that process was for you? Can I just bask in what you just said? Like that (laughs) is just fucking everything have. Like truly, I mean, it is. And you've helped me get to this point. We've been working together for almost six months now. And I realized I was hiding from myself by focusing so much on everyone else's attention on me. Mm -hmm. And I never saw it that way because, I mean, when you're in your 20s, this is the game that we are taught to play, right? And I'm 33 now and I have such a different life than I had before. And I look back and I remember just living for likes. I remember standing in the bathroom at Spectrum before a Lakers you know, pregame show after I got my hair and makeup done in my fucking cute little dress and my great little eating disorder that made me super skinny. And I'm just mm-hmm. taking all these pictures. And then in commercial breaks, I am scrolling through my phone, waiting to see how many people tell me I'm hot. And I'm like, this is literally the purpose of my life at this point. And it was when I looked at myself in the mirror and I didn't recognize my, myself anymore. And I was like, how did you even get here? I don't know who you are. And It's so critical to get rid of the noise and it is a difficult process. And I struggle with this sometimes still because I'm like, well, why don't more people follow me or why don't I get this? And I, and yes, it is part of like the human experience and the digital age that we live in. But I, I really believe that my intention every day is to be of service, not to get attention. 
And so whenever I get derailed, I come back to that. I'm like, how am I helping people? Because if I am that obsessed with myself that I need that much attention, what am I teaching the next generation? What am I showing other women? Okay, well, you need to be obsessed with this because this is what will make you good enough. No, that is not what I want to perpetuate. That is the last thing I want to show people. And so I just, I do my very best every day to clear the noise and to focus back on my intention of being of service and filling my own cup. Someone asked me yesterday about my codependence with Connor because I'm very <laughs> open about it and, um, you know, work in progress. And I was same, like, codependent same. who? Yeah. Um, <laughs> also, please don't leave me high. Goodbye. Yeah, no, no, exactly. Goodbye. exactly. <laughs> leave me alone. Please don't leave. Please don't um, leave me. <laughs> but I just said, I said, I find myself getting super codependent. And this is the same thing with validation and attention. I get that way when I'm not filling my own cup and I'm not taking care of myself. And then I'm looking to everyone else to make me okay. So I see that happening now. I have the self-awareness. I look at it and I take a step back and I'm like, what do I actually need? I need a bath. I need to call a girlfriend. I need to go for a walk, whatever it is. And I give that to myself. And then I'm like, oh, I'm good. Now I remember I'm whole and I'm perfect as I am. I don't need someone or some compliment to make me worthy. Yeah. But it's a journey that you and I both, I feel like will consistently have to come back to. Yes. I found myself this week turning to Aaron and saying, wow, I'm overstimulated. When I would have normally broken down or looked for reassurance from him, I was at least able to say not there's something quote wrong with me, but more just, well, there's too many inputs. There's just too many things on the list. There's too many people calling. There's noises. I feel overstimulated and I need to take a, a step back. And it's, it's that constant self-reminding check-in with ourselves. Um, and again, becoming our own leader that we need to lead ourselves. I want to step back though. You had mentioned like you look in the mirror. Okay. So here you are, you got all the fancy shit. You've won all the things you're super skinny, which is like really you and I in our race to zero. Yeah. It was, it was real. Both of us in this need that maybe if I just perfect myself a little more, I will prevent myself from the pain. That's what I realized was in all the ways. And the body component was part of it too. The pressure to be what everyone expects you consistently on a daily basis, literally like you can't have a zit, you can't have a bad day. You can't be off. You're just supposed to be this perfect machine. And I thought if I'm just a little harder on myself, then if I'm just a little bit more tough than the boss, if I tell myself or work out that extra hour in the day, Maybe if I'm a zero, then 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 the pain won't hit. Right? I'll be able to keep with perfection as my shield all of this pain at bay. When did that crumble for you? Yeah, because you said you looked in the mirror and didn't recognize yourself. I talk about my Oprah ugly cry moment, but like, what was it for you? Yeah, well, I want to back up before I get to that because yeah. I'm so glad you bring this up. I don't feel like we talk about it enough in this space. I, so my eating disorder started when I had to stop playing volleyball because of chronic illness, because I spiraled out of control because I lost my whole identity. And so that's when it began at 19. And then it came in and out over the next probably seven years. Um, because then that I, do you know that you had an eating disorder? Like, I did. Would you have said? Yes, okay. I did. I actually, I was working with a nutritionist that worked with our team at school and, um, she, I was like 145 pounds at six, one as a college athlete. And she's like, um, this is a problem. Mm -hmm. And my mom even brought it up to me because I was home. We were at church one day 
when I went to church and uh, the good Catholic I was. Um, <laughs> and I couldn't breathe. And she kept looking at me like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Why can't you breathe? And I'm like, I'm fine. It's fine. And she's like, it's because you're too skinny. So she even called it out. She knew. She was like, what the hell's going on? So anyways, my nutritionist tells me I have this eating disorder and I'm aware of it. And it's not as bad as many. I, I, I know that, but it's something I struggled with for a while. And then it was when I was in television. Um, I don't know if you know who Oral Hershiser is, but he was a legendary Dodger pitcher and he was one of my colleagues. And okay. he kind of took me under his wing as like his, his niece. He took such good care of me. I love that man with my whole heart. Um, anyways, one day he came to me and we were at Dodger Stadium on the field hosting a pregame show. And he just looks at me and he's like, well, why are you wearing that dress? And I was like, what do you mean? And he goes, why are you wearing that dress? I'm like, Oral, it's my favorite dress. And he just like, let it be. So I had to marinate in that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Why am I wearing this dress? What is he talking about? Blah, blah, blah. Like, this is so big. And I realized he was trying to tell me I don't need to keep trying so hard and putting on this show. Like, what is it that you think you are worthy and valuable just because of how you look and the dress that you're wearing? And it was a tight, short, little white dress. And of course, I wore the things to get attention and to get guys to like me because that was what we did. That was the game. Yes. And game we were set up with and you and I are competitive. So whatever the game is, we're going to win. Oh yeah. Well, and I had, I had executives like the game. Yeah. They're like, your dress isn't short enough. Don't dress like a nun be sexier. So I'm like, okay, like don't be a slut. Yeah. Yeah. Don't sleep with the players, but make sure your skirt is shorter. I'm like, um, I'm not sure how to win here. (laughs) Um, and so I remember it was after that, I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, wow, I like do not recognize myself. And I don't know how I got here and being called out in that way by someone I respected and revered so much was exactly what I needed because I had the rest of the world telling me you're so perfect. You're amazing. Like no one fucking needs more of that. You need someone to hold you accountable and say, Hey, I see you. I see what you're doing. You're 27 years old and you don't need to do this anymore. I see who you are as a person. And I chopped 12 inches off my hair. I got rid of my whole wardrobe. I changed everything. And then it was like a pretty quick burn into me being like, I got to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And how beautiful though, that like we talked about that you had that mirror because that's really what the gift of all of us being in each other's lives are, is that hopefully um, in a positive and nutritive way, we are each other's mirrors at different times to help us through. How did you overcome the eating disorder and the need to be perfect? I call myself a recovering perfectionist and control freak. Um, so it's a, it's definitely a daily battle. So I, I made this really what I thought was super funny real today about being a podcaster. <laughs> I thought, I thought it was real good. I, I mean, giggle. I, I swear to God, Abby, 13 takes later. Cause I oh, couldn't figure out how to do it. I'm like, how do you sync this? I'm so stupid. <laughs> and anyway, so I'm doing this real and I, I'm so proud of myself because I'm so technology deficient and I can't figure it out. I get this thing on reels and then the words are cut off on the left side. And I was like, motherfucker. And I, I could, I almost redid it. And I was like, I had a perfectionist moment where I'm like, what will people think? I swear to God, I thought this, what will people think of me? If some of the words on my reel are cut off, I can't even say it with a straight face. And I was like, I don't fucking care. I'm not doing this anymore. Like it's as good as it's going to get. And it's okay. And it's so funny because those are the things that pop up for me every day where it's just like little things or like the books aren't 
perfectly placed or like this isn't right and what and I just have a panic attack and I'm like okay remember core values play in freedom these things don't matter have perspective and then I just go on with my day and I don't worry about it and I'm so much happier as a person so I have that perspective but in terms of the eating disorder um it took me time to just heal my relationship with food and I think I just hated my body so much for so many reasons. Um, It shut down on me and I couldn't play anymore. I had chronic illness. I just was constantly in pain and couldn't see straight and, you know, depressed and all this stuff. And so I think as I healed the chronic illness and got more into my body and felt safe in my body again, I had a better relationship with food. And so I think it took a few years and now I have an amazing relationship with food and Um, I don't really think about it. I don't, you know, count calories or any of that unless I'm trying to gain weight, which oftentimes I'm doing. Um, But other than that, yeah, it's it it is a process. And I I just showed myself a lot of grace in the process and realized that these old belief systems and patterns that I had been, you know, brought into and continue to perpetuate, they just weren't serving me. And so I had to look at them every day and say, okay, we don't need to do that thing. I don't need to compare myself to so-and-so who is skinnier than me or this or that. And I just get to show up for my body and ask my body what she needs and give that to her. And then I just started to see how much better I felt. And so it was that positive reinforcement. And I think that just kind of shifted it. For me, um, there's two major components that really help, to be honest. Three. Number one, getting off of TV in general. Just seeing your body that much every day is just not, it's not healthy. Number two, leaving California. Yeah, I would like to state for all of you living in California that are listening, bless you. And I'm so grateful that you have that strength. I like to equate California, like a recovering alcoholic living over a bar. Mm-hmm. I'm sure someone can do it. It's just not me. <sighs> I can't live there. I even noticed when I came back to give my second Ted talk y'all. Okay. It's not like I'm just hmm, namaste. I come home, home, quote unquote, to San Diego. I land at the airport and I just feel immediately unworthy. I just immediately get put full right back onto like this track. Um, and it's, I wish I was stronger and maybe someday I will be, but right now big part of it. And then the last piece I would say for me was coming into my body more consistently as the athlete I used to be. Mm. Uh, I was a swimmer, like, you know, I was an athlete like you, but I was a swimmer instead of volleyball player. And so when I started to do long distance hiking and hard hikes where you have to eat, or you will literally pass out, you won't be able to get up the mountain. I discovered that part of me that I loved so much of just being strong and able to do something hard and tough and realizing that food is just food, right? It's just energy in a day. It doesn't really have a story or value attached to it. Um, and those things began to dismantle it for me, but I still face it. I still tell stories sometimes like, oh, you ate that, whatever. So you should eat this or not eat at all. And um, I think that my, my friendships and having that mirror of like, hey, Abs, you can eat the rest of that burger, you know, is just like a nice, gentle little reminder. Yeah. Because like you said, I'm a card carrying, recovering perfectionist or Sure. And the piece that I find fascinating, uh, where we also <laughs> we run such parallel lives. Why did we need our bodies to break? I'm grateful. I'm grateful. It taught me so much, but Hey, do we consistently need breakdowns in order to take a break? 
why do we need breakdowns for our breakthroughs? Mm. Why did we both need to have chronic, terrible writing on the fucking wall illnesses coming head on for us before we were both like, well, this is maybe not working out so well. Like five years, five fucking years of having Lyme disease. Yeah. Jesus, Joseph and Mary in a manger. Like really though. Why, Kel? So I, this is funny and not funny at the same time. Just going to preface this story with that. Great. I'm in. I was engaged to a guy who had an amputated leg. Okay. And that part is not funny. So sorry he lost his leg in an accident. The part that is funny that is that I had to be in a relationship with a man who had an amputated leg for me to wake the fuck up. Like, you talk about needing to get hit in the fucking head over and over again. Being sick wasn't enough for me. I had to engage in this experience with someone who had 14 surgeries in a year and like lost his leg after being an incredible athlete and all these things for me to start reevaluating my life and the way I allow myself to be treated and the way I am a caretaker and the way I show up to save and rescue and fix people and just let mm. myself fall by the wayside. Shots fired. Yes. And I'm like, so yeah, I'm with you. Why do we need that? Why? I, I think that we are the type of people who are so stubborn and so <laughs> like, it has to be like this and I'm going to make it work because we always make it work and it always, you know, we succeed and we achieve and we get the gold fucking star you always talk about and we, and we get there. And so we always find a way to make it happen. And that has taught us that we will always make it happen. It will always be fine because we will make it fine. And so it, it needs my, to be something where we get hit. I call it my white knuckle, my yes. way to success. I was so sure I knew what was going to make me happy. I was so sure because of the skill set that I had. And let's be real, because of the privilege that you and I have, that we have this conventional white people pretty that worked in our favor and we were fucking good at what we did. And that combination alone, I knew I had the chops. So I was so sure that I was on this path towards happiness, even though I was so, I was literally killing myself and fucking miserable the entire time. Mm. And when you're down, when you're down in your twenties to the floor and you don't mean shit to anyone. I mean, you can't get yourself up off the kitchen floor. It, it is, it reevaluates a lot. And yet you and I still tried to push past that. Like I was going to drag my body across the finish line, the magic, magical made up finish line. Yeah. And I, know. I think there's a, there's a piece that, um, at first it took me like a boulder and then a rock. And I think I'm at like the, the pebble stage still happens, but where I I'm checking in. And like you so beautifully said, I know my body is safe now and I feel safe in it. And it's free to tell me when I'm okay. And it's free to tell me when it's not okay. And that can look like so many different things for me. It's exhaustion now. Um, it's sometimes I get eczema or like rashes on my skin. Um, sometimes I just feel just this like low grade depression, just like something's off. Those get to be enough 
for me now to know that while well, I need to take a pause, yes. like I deleted social for weeks. I went literally just off the grid to recalibrate my energy because I know now that my first priority will always be me. Like we talk about that with the caretaking and the, I can do it though. And the white knuckle and the, but I was made for this, or I thought I wanted this. None of that trumps us, what we really need in this season of our life. Not what we thought we needed. And isn't it amazing when you see the other side, when you know what's possible, you get that taste and you're like, well, I don't want to go back to that shit anymore. But it takes that, even if it's just a brief moment of pleasure or joy or freedom or safety, any of it, and you're like, oh, fuck, that's the thing. Like, that's that thing I thought was so unattainable and that I'd never have. And now I know what it tastes like. Okay, I want to recreate that. And of course, we're going to go back to old patterns because we're human and that's what we do. But the the shorter amount of time it takes you to get back to recreating that feeling and accepting it and inviting it in, that's the fucking magic because then it becomes more consistent and then that becomes your new baseline. And the consistency creates trust in yourself. Yes. The consistency of checking in, of saying, does this feel good? Is this a full body fuck yes? And if not, it's a fuck no. And that's okay. I'm okay letting other people down, including the old version of myself. Mm -hmm. That's the season I'm in right now. Again, one more thousandth time is it's okay to let the old version of myself down as I'm actively watching myself shed things, create things and become a new version of myself again for like the 19th thousandth fucking time. I would, all, yeah, I would always uh, fight my old self. And so mm-hmm. I remember when I was in LA, this was almost two years ago, I think um, I was, I was losing it. I was spiraling and I called my girlfriend and she's always the one I call to talk me off the ledge. And she's like my spiritual guru. And I was telling her, I'm like, I'm so angry who I used to be. And I can't believe that I was like this and blah, blah, blah. And she goes, I want you to imagine something right now. You are dragging your little girl up a mountain by her hair while she's kicking and screaming. And you're calling her a piece of shit. I was like, Oh yeah, that's accurate. And she goes, what if you grabbed her by the hand and you guys walked up the mountain together and you thanked her for all that she's done for you. And you took her on this next journey with you. She's like, wouldn't that feel more peaceful? I was like, well, yeah. (laughs) And yes. yes. So I keep that with me at all times. Anytime I find myself in that internal battle where I'm like, fuck you. What the fuck's wrong with you? Why did you do that? I'm like, no, we're not doing that. We're bringing her along because that girl, that iteration of me, that version, that chapter of my life is the reason I am here today, no matter what it looked like. And without that, I would not be this woman. And so I go into humility and gratitude as quickly as I possibly can, because I know that me being angry and resentful of that is not helping me at all. It's actually keeping me from where I want to go. This insight, it's keeping us from love, right? So like the perfectionism is this shield we wear to keep ourselves at bay from the pain, but it also keeps us at bay from the love, right? It's, it's out of fear and a sense of lack. And the same one of how you and I talk to that little version of ourselves that we're outgrowing. 
or the younger version of us that just wants to feel heard and valued for what she has a hundred percent contributed to our journey. And when we treat her with love, the entire script shifts. Really, I'm just sitting with like, I can palpably feel that transmission that you just gave. That's a beautiful, a beautiful thing. I mean, here's the thing, Abby, I came to you to work with you because I wanted you to kick my ass. I'm pretty sure I said that in our first call. You did. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm here for you to kick my ass. Thank you. Um, which you do a great job of, but what I learned in the process of allowing myself to work with a woman is that I actually just needed to be held. And people like us are so hard on ourselves. My mom used to tell me that she wouldn't punish me because I would punish myself so harshly that she was like, I can't possibly ground you or do anything else because you're too hard on yourself. That would be like, that would be like torturing a child. And I cannot do that. My mom said the same thing. Yeah. And so that is how we are. And so when I, I show up and I'm like, kick my ass, Abby, like hold me accountable, do this thing. And our whole experience together has been you like sitting there listening to me while I cry and Mm -hmm. share myself super vulnerably. And that's what I needed. And it's so interesting that we think it has to be harsh and intense and this like battleground when in reality, I think you believe this too. We all want to be seen, held and loved. That is what the transition is. That is what the, the transmuting of this energy, that is the quote unquote up leveling that we're all looking for. It's all in the being held because when we are held, we are willing to be seen. We feel safe and we acknowledge ourselves. And then that is what opens the doors to everything else. To the love. The deeper that we're willing to see ourselves, the deeper this world will see us. When people come to me, Abby, make me famous. I was right. I laughed. Like the world needs one more booty band influencer. Like, no, I cannot help you. What I can do is be a mirror to you and help you to see yourself more deeply because the more deeply you're willing to go, the deeper this world will go with you. And I've seen you consistently ask yourself that um, in really difficult and tough times. And I think that's another part of why I am excited to have this podcast and this conversation around what it means as a leader in today's world and 2021, who we get to become and create a world that better represents a balance of these energies that we do get to push and we do get to hold people accountable and justice does need to be served. And there needs to be structures and frameworks in place for us and our success. And we get to be massively, wildly creative, loved, held, seen, appreciated, rested, all of it. We get to have both. I think one of the pieces that I have resonated with you most recently in the season that we're both in, uh, which is, is twofold, uh, healing, it's all around women, healing our female relationships by choosing to surround ourselves with powerful women that heal that narrative. And also the more deeply you and I have gone with ourselves and seeing ourselves, understanding what it really means in the fluidity of our sexuality and why we can't check a box and why that's actually really weird to ask someone to check a box. It's so much more like a Kinsian 
fluid scale. So can you talk about where you're at now in sexuality, how you've come to actually love yourself more deeply and therefore able to to love more humans? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's been such an interesting couple of years in navigating yeah. this. And I love that you bring up the female relationships and sexuality in the same question, because that's really what it was for me as when we moved from LA to Denver. So I'm very introverted, which most people don't believe, but I am very introverted and, um, very awkward in new social environments. And I will be the, the six, one, the six, one girl standing in the corner (laughs) who sticks out like a sore thumb. (laughs) She doesn't hide very well, but I will be that person because I really struggle with like conversation and connecting with people. And I'm very judge. I have been in the past, very judgmental of myself. And so I immediately think everyone else is judging me. So knowing that I left LA partly because of that and the bullshit quote unquote friendships that are LA and decided, okay, I'm going to Denver. I already know some people who I absolutely love and I want to really curate great female friendships. And so I just started DMing a bunch of girls that live here. And I was like, Hey, I'm moving there. You know, I love what you're about. Can we get coffee? Can we get lunch? And I met all of my closest friends through that. And I'm also a part of the sisterhood circle. And we meet once a week over zoom for over a year now. And we were just in Tulum for a week together. And it has drastically transformed my beliefs around women connecting and that we can without being catty and the bullshit and the judgment. And within that time frame, also realizing that I am attracted to women sexually. So I start healing these relationships in a platonic way and start realizing this about myself. And I think that it was able to come through because I felt safer in my body and in my experience with women. And Mm. so as that conversation progressed and I started to have more experiences, what being with women has allowed me to see is more of myself. I, every time I'm with a woman in a sexual way, I see myself more clearly through them. And I also see their beauty and their perfection and the essence of who they are, which allows me to acknowledge that within myself. That's it. It's so massive. Mm. And it's so beyond sexuality. And what I am I'm sitting with now, and I, I don't have the answer at this moment, but it's about intimacy. It's not even about sexuality, which is why I wouldn't even say I'm bisexual at this point. Because yeah. I really feel like I long for the intimacy and the connection because. Um, the girl that Connor and I have been dating, we call her Roxanne. Like when Roxanne and I are together, I feel this level of my cup being filled and this intimate connection that I just can't even describe in words. And it is so like magnetic and palpable. You can just feel it. And I know that that is what I was wanting. It wasn't about the sex necessarily. Like that's cool and fun and I enjoy it but it's that intimacy. And I had that in Tulum, like all of the girls, we were all holding hands and snuggling each other. And some people were sharing beds and it was so beautiful because it was that intimacy that we all long for. And I came home feeling so full. And so I think it's, it's just this, this trust in women and within ourselves. And like you keep saying over and over, we are mirrors and how we can 
see others and be willing to be seen ourselves. Do you feel the need to categorize yourself? You say, I don't want to, you know, I don't know if I would even be bisexual. Do you feel the need to say, you know, if somebody asked you, what would you say? I mean, so when I, yeah, when I came out, I came out on my podcast a little over a year ago and I said, I'm bisexual. And at the time that felt right. I was like, I am bisexual. But if you look at like the real definition of that, it means that you want to, you would be in a relationship with a woman just like you would be with a man, which I'm not interested in. I love the intimacy and the, um, like the threesome dynamic and what that brings to my life and to mine and Connor's relationship. But I'm not interested in something beyond that. I've kind of tasted a little bit of that. And I was like, this isn't for me. That's not what I want. And so I feel like if I had to answer, I would say I'm mostly straight, but interested in women. Well, why can't that just be bi? That's what I, this is the, but I also don't want to label it. That's where I am. Yeah, I don't like labels. Like I don't even like Connor and I say we're monogamish because that helps people understand the dynamic, but we don't like, I don't like living by other people's rules and definitions because then that, that puts me in like a box. So that's just how I feel. If I had to explain it, that's what I would say, but I don't want to be in a relationship with a woman. So that's just, well, and and growing up, um, we're, we're around the same age growing up. I thought you really only have two choices, right? Right. And then I would hear about these people coming out later in life that were like, yeah, I kind of always knew. And I was like, I definitely didn't. Mm-hmm. Well, then I, am I not gay? But I definitely like want to do more than just hold her hand. Yeah. Right. But then I'm like, I don't understand. And then in college, when I would make out with a girl to get to the front of the line, I was like, well, sweet. Right. Like I get I get free keg beer quality as it is. And I got to make out with a chick, which apparently is not cheating on my boyfriend. So like, that's a mm. great goal. And then I was like, but I think I like this, but then that's not okay. Right. Because then, then I don't like men. It's really, I had this very black and white dichotomous idea of myself in so many, we could unpack in so many ways, but that's how one of the ways. And as I started to integrate and be okay with living in the gray, around other aspects of my life that I am somebody that enjoys being in my masculine and my feminine. Um, I am someone that loves speaking about business and building businesses and why that is a part of our spiritual practice. And as I started to be okay in my own gray, I started to okay sexually and, and being okay. Like you're saying with not really checking a box when people ask um, I usually say queer because I'm like, what is, or like pans? I'm like, what is the most, what's the, all of the above? Like, where's that box that I like human beings? Yeah. Usually they're dudes, but not always like, where's that box? Mm-hmm. And what's so beautiful and why I, you know, I'll, I want to leave on this note, how sexual expression, set your permission to give yourself sexual freedom and exploration in different seasons of your life, by the way, what you liked at 15, please know is not going to be probably what you're into at 50. Like, can we forgive ourselves or like give ourselves permission? But this, this, uh, this permission of sexual liberation permeates every other aspect of our life. (laughs) Like I am better. I am absolutely a better person because I now have sex with women. Like that's a true statement. 
Why, why do you think that is for you in your life? I've watched you blossom. So many reasons. Oh my God. (laughs) I have this, I want to say this. So go when you were saying like what you wanted in high school is not what you want now. So I was telling someone, I was telling my girlfriends, um, that I never thought that I would have a girl sitting on my face and want to like be closer to her and like have a desire to like crawl up inside of her vagina. I'm like, wait, can we get closer? (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't shock me. I just actually get it. Totally. I'm like, like, wait, but you're on my face, but like, can it get closer? Like, can I put my head inside? (laughs) (laughs) A baby like returning to the womb. Like, let me go inside. Oh my God. That is where the power lives. The power lives in the womb. And why don't we want to be and taste the power? Oh, I I get it. Oh, I want to taste the power. (laughs) Right? I get this. Okay. So tell me more. Keep going. Wait. So I forgot what your question was because I wanted to address that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm asking when we give ourselves this sexual permission and liberation, Uh how that permeates every other aspect of our life. You can tell I'm a journalist. I can find the question. I know. Thank you. I'll come back to it. I'm I'm good at that too. I'm just not good at the one being interviewed. I will go on every tangent. I'm like my worst interviewee. Um, Oh, it's fine. Fine. So I think the thing for me is kind of like you said, the gray area. The more I have been open sexually, the more I have surrendered in every part of my life. Um, And I also think that the biggest thing in having this dynamic with Connor is that so many of my insecurities have been brought up. Like the, you're not good enough. He's going to leave you. You're going to be abandoned again. You're not pretty enough. She's more fun than you. He likes to do that with her and not you. And so I have really like, it has been a really challenging year for me in that way, but I asked for it. I really wanted it. And it has made me such a better person and partner and business owner and friend because I will call myself out on that shit so quickly now, the comparison and the not good enough and the abandonment. And I have been working with this therapist for over a year and a lot of stuff around abandonment has come up because I've, you know, lost my mom and my dog and I had a tough time with my dad and all these things. And it was showing up within Connor though. It was like kept physically manifesting in this way. So we keep talking about it. And she was like, she teaches me from a course in miracles, which I'm obsessed with. Like a therapist that teaches from a course. Like, are yeah, you kidding can me? I have does she do Zoom? Yes. Can I have yes, her? you can have okay, her. Okay, send me the text. Done. Um, she was like, You cannot be abandoned if you do not abandon yourself. Hands down. And I was like, fuck me. Like, yes, that makes sense. What am I doing? And she goes, Your worst fear right now is that Connor is going to leave you. And I was like, Yes. And she said, what if he did? And that was part of a divine plan that is so much bigger than what you can see. And you're holding on so tight to this thing that's not even yours. And I was like, yes, like that is it because I don't own him. We all have choice. If he wants to go be with someone else, go be with someone else. And it doesn't mean I am being abandoned because I still choose myself. Yes. And that has, that me, we're not even talking to him about that. Me just embodying that belief has transformed our relationship because who wants a fucking monkey on their back? Like, stay with me. Don't leave me. I love you. Oh my God. Why do you like her more? Ah." (laughs) 
I don't know why I just did that, but that was amazing. Right. Well, that's how it sounds. Yes. And I'm, I'm the same way. I said in my first Ted talk, I, I'm barefoot, right? I run out the door and it took me 10 years of running, finally come back home to myself. And it was when I came back home that I realized you never have to worry about abandonment. Never abandon yourself. Yes. And, but it fucking permeates dude. Like all over. I, when I moved into this house, kept my old bed because when I left Trevor, I had to live in a basement and I didn't even have a bed, you know, like I had nothing. He got the dog. It sounds like a fucking country song. You know, it was like, it was rough. So when I moved in here, I kept my old bed just in case, right? As if I couldn't afford to just buy another bed. But I had a real breakdown and breakthrough when I was willing to donate that bed frame. I know it sounds really simple, but because I was willing to say, no, you know what? No matter who leaves or doesn't leave, I'll never leave me. Mm-hmm. But that, like where today, I think for, for you that's listening, what are you holding on to that out of a sense of fear and not embodiment and love are you holding on to because you're so afraid it'll be taken from you it could be a business title it could be a relationship title it could be a money number it fucking it permeates everything i read something the other day and i'm probably botching this but it was something like if you feel the need to hold on to it it was never yours to begin with yep that's it This has all taught me so much about ownership of other people too, because I think in relationships and in marriage, especially we believe that if we sign on the dotted line and we say our I do's, that means like, I now own you and you will not leave me because I own you high divorce rates. So if that's not true and we can let go of ownership, there's this idea that I am learning about now called sovereignty. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Sovereignty and allowing ourselves to have our own independent experiences while in relationship and growing separately and growing together and taking care of ourselves and taking care of each other. I would just abandon myself completely and just take care and just fucking helicopter parent whoever I was with because I owned them and that was what we did. And now it's such a incredible practice to be sovereign and to be supportive and love to take care of Connor and do things for him. And at the same time, make sure that I am always taking care of myself and choosing myself in the process. Always, always. The only person you should be afraid of losing is yourself and your heart has to come first. It always does. I I think of it like, you know, I'm a, a little bit of a granola girl. So I think of it like, the two of us are these trees and we just have these deep intertwined roots now, but we're still our own tree and we help each other. We give each other shade. We share resources. We hang out right next to each other. Thanks pandemic. But like we're still sovereign unto ourselves and we're deeply rooted in who we are. And then we have shared experiences and that shit though, that lesson has been hard fought for both of us. And that's a piece I just don't want anyone that's listening to think is like, you see Kelly and 
she's just such a goddess in all the facets. But every woman that we admire has paid her own price. Those stories come with a cost. And we get to honor that. We get to honor that cost and then also say like, eh, I'm good. I don't need to pay it again. I've learned that one. I've paid the ticket. I'm good. Thank you. I took the ride. It's just letting go of the need to take the ride over and over again. And I try and really be very conscious about what I post because I really do feel um, that my purpose is to be incredibly honest about every step. And I always share for the most part while I'm in something and not from the other side. I'll share from the other side, but I very consciously share while I'm going through it because I think we often see the success story, but we didn't see the journey there. And it's really hard to relate to the success story. It always feels unattainable. But when you see someone in the middle and then you can journey with them to their success story, it feels relatable and it feels tangible and you also feel less alone. And I always just felt so alone. Like what's wrong with me? What am I doing wrong? Why can't I figure this out? Someone please fix me. And when I started to see other women who were sharing in their shit, sharing their shit and being in it and being vulnerable about that, it made me feel okay. And it made life and expansion and growth feel more attainable. Not like this, like, oh, I must be this like woke guru who's like sexually embodied on the other side of the road. It's like, no, like we're on this side of the road and we're going to be here and we're going to do all the things and learn. And then someday we'll go over there. And I have found that in telling the story, it sets me free. It, it really, it's the power consistently of other women telling their truth that gave me permission to say mine. And when I say mine, not only do I light other women up, but also I let that one go. It doesn't belong to me anymore. And that feels really great. Yes. Um, and that's part of why I wanted you on and part of why you were such a pivotal part of really going for the jugular with this podcast and having that, those deeper connections and conversations that I would hope a podcast could give us. And that's to ourselves today. So I'm really excited to see what this evokes and everyone was, this is what I'd love. If you can, dear listener, uh, go ahead, shoot a quick Instagram story, tag us. Kel, what's your handle? Kelly M. Tennant. There you go. Tag her. Tag me. Tell us what the biggest takeaway was for you and you know what your full body fuck yes is for the day. I just couldn't adore you more than I do. Oh, Kelly Tennant. Kelly fucking Tennant, everybody. Thank you for coming. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Full Body Fuck Yes podcast with me, Abby Gibb. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And it would mean the world if you leave a review so others know how kick-ass these episodes are. And I'm a real person over on Instagram. So tag me in an IG story at Abby Gibb and let me know what landed in your heart the most today. Thanks again for listening.